Praise God. I, I believe that God is here to do something very, very great, and very, very powerful. And, and so for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to uh, just zero in on the Lord and, and forget about what happened before service, what's happened during service, what's going to happen after service. Uh, God may want to use you in a mighty way, so let, let's just turn your radio on, okay? Uh, Brother Lauren, turn your radio on, please. There you go. Got it all tuned up on the right frequency. Hallelujah. Let's get rid of all the static, and let's let God speak to us today. Hallelujah. All right? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Father in heaven, you are here today in a great and mighty way. And Lord, you're here to seek and to save that which is lost. You're here to help and touch those who are going through situations. God, you're here to give every answer we need. And Lord, every miracle that we need is here today. It's here right now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind every foul and unclean spirit that would try to hinder some precious soul from receiving from the Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you praise and glory and honor. Let the presence of the Lord now fill this house. Lord, all the way throughout this house, every cubic inch, we ask, O oh God, would be filled with the presence of God. And we ask, O oh God, that the angel of the Lord would come and let the ministering spirits, Lord, that you've sent to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation, do their work today. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. We were uh, last week at Alexandria at the Because of the Times, and there was a prayer warrior in the church who said, at every seat there will be two angels, a ministering spirit and an angel of war. And boy, we felt the presence of God all throughout those meetings. And I believe that that same God is here right now. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So thank you in advance for pulling together with me. I want to thank those who have been working so hard to help us. Brother Chris uh, came and did a lot of plowing for me, and I appreciate it. And uh, thank God for him. While I was away, you had a little snowstorm. And I appreciate Brother uh, Shane and, and all the the uh, folks who jumped in and worked so hard. And I believe that God is doing a great work among us. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to the book of 1 Samuel. It's good to have my family with me this morning. Hallelujah. So here we go. Are you ready? First Samuel chapter 11 is a very unusual verse to read from. It's probably not a verse that you read from very often. But we're going to read from it now. Are you ready? First Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. The Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them on this condition, 
will I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And for a few moments, I will preach from this passage what I believe the Lord has spoken to my heart. And I'm entitling it, It is Time to Call Upon the King. Would you lift your voices in your hands and pray that God would give us understanding. Lord Jesus, that your will would be done in this place. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy. Now we know that God is everything. We know that you're powerful and able. Lord, we've sung about it, Lord. We've testified about it. Now, Lord God, come and do what you said you would do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In this very unusual passage of Scripture, Nahash has led a very large army and besieged and surrounded the city of Jabesh-Gilead. The citizens are frightened nearly to death. They're scared and do not know what to do. And they see this large army of Nahash encamped around about their city. And so they thought, we can't fight this big army. So they sent a message to Nahash asking for peace. They basically said, leave us alone. We'll serve you. Don't scare us anymore. Don't do what you've come to do. Don't kill us. And they sent a message. We'll, we'll be your servants. We'll give up our liberty. And they made a strong emotional appeal to Nahash. Please, leave us alone. We'll be your servants, please. And they were a city that were groveling upon their knees. Now, understand that Nahash was a very evil and wicked man. He had no intention of letting the people of Gilead go free. There was not even a thought in his mind of letting the people of Gilead go free, but you see an evil smile come to his face as the people in Jabesh Gilead are on their knees begging for mercy. He knew they were afraid, and actually he was thrilled by their fear. It made him feel a high to see these people groveling on their knees with tears running down their faces, begging for mercy. They were offering to become the servants to Nahash if he would just take his army and go away. Now, everybody look up at Pastor. I want to see your eyes looking at me because you need to hear what I've got to say this morning. Here were these people facing something that was very fearful and their knees are shaking and their voice is shaking and they are scared. And Nahash is an evil man who is outside the city. He's standing there with his fist upon his sides 
And he's getting a real incredible feeling of power by watching these people groveling. And they're saying, we'll serve you. Please don't kill us. Just take your army and go away. But Nahash has no intention of going away. He wants to torment them. He wants to see them suffer. He is in rejuvenated by their suffering. So he thinks his evil thought and he offers them a horrible deal in exchange for not killing them outright. He says, look, I make a compromise with you and I, I won't kill you. But in reality, he was like a cat toying with a mouse. And so he makes this offer. He said, on this one condition, on this one condition, I will make a deal with you if you will allow your right eye to be gouged out. Every one of you, the right eye has to be gouged out. And if you're willing to do that, then <laughs> I'll let you live. But Nahash's real plan was still to kill them, but to torment the people of Gilead. He wanted to torment them and put them in agonizing pain and then kill them. He intended for any who did survive, if anyone actually survived, he intended for them to be permanently disfigured and put to continual shame because there would be a horrible, horrible disfigurement of the face that would be for the rest of their lives. Now understand that in those days, soldiers fought with their shields in their left hand and they held their sword in their right hand. The shield would cover their left eye. So when the soldier was fighting, he depended upon his right eye to be able to see so he could fight. And Nahash said, I want the right eye gouged out of every person. He knew that that would make them defenseless. So when he came in, there would be less of his men dying. For a soldier without his right eye would in effect be blind. But somehow, right. some way, yes, the people of Jabesh Gilead got word to the king. And the king of Israel, the Bible says, put together a great big army. It was like 330,000. It was a huge army. And they marched that night, all night long. There was marching feet marching toward Gilead. And they arrived in the morning. In the early morning, the king of Israel and his army came against Nahash and his hordes 
and his army. They defeated Nahash. They defeated his army. They, the king and his army stopped the evil people in their tracks. And they delivered the people of Gilead from torment, from having their eye gouged out, from being permanently disfigured and ultimately murdered. Somebody says, Pastor, what in the world has that got to do with us today? Everything. For you see, if you knew the name Nahash, the name Nahash, when it's translated into English, simply means serpent. Nahash in English is serpent. Nahash in English is snake. If you knew that the place of Gilead is recognized in the Bible for being the birthplace of the prophet Elijah, the anointed prophet of God, Gilead was where the word, the anointed word came from. The place that Tishba was in, in Gilead. Gilead is the place where Gideon's 300 were delivered by Almighty God against the hundreds of thousands of the Midianites and the Amalekites. Gideon, Gilead was the place of past victories. But also Gilead was famous for something else. You might have read somewhere in the good book about the balm of Gilead. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the balm came that all-powerful healing fragrant ointment that was known to save and to cure incurable conditions. That balm came from Gilead. And the prophet Jeremiah referred to this when he mentions this in Jeremiah 8 and 22, where he said, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered. So I want you to notice that Nahash in the Bible is the serpent. His name means serpent, it means snake. And Gilead is a place where there's healing. It's a place where things can be changed. It's a place where victories are won. It's a place where God had done marvelous miracles in the past. And it's a place where the prophet Elijah was born, the man of God, the prophet who prophesied of the anointing of God. And so the serpent was attacking the place where there was the balm of Gilead, where the word of God would come from and came from where incredible and miraculous victories were accomplished. The serpent attacked all of those things when he came against Gilead. And just as Nahash came up and encamped against Gilead, the place where the healing balm of Gilead came from, the word of God came from, the God gave marvelous victories. I'm here to tell you that once again, the serpent 
has brought his armies against the people of God. Hey, America, you better listen up. We're in the middle of the biggest fight we've ever been in our life. It's a fight for the, the future of our nation. It's a fight for right. We're in the middle of the biggest fight we've ever seen. Where kids are so confused, they don't know who they are anymore. And some kids are calling themselves furries. I sat with a medical person just uh, two or three short weeks ago. She said, I had to take my daughter out of the public school. I said, why? She said, there were kids in her class that were hissing and meowing at her. And she was very uncomfortable with that. And she said she was very uncomfortable with having to be careful what pronouns she used. And so I had to withdraw her from school. Hey, folks, you better hear the preacher. We're in the middle of the biggest fight we've ever seen. It's time to call on the king. You're not going to win this battle by yourself. You won't win this politically without God's help. You won't win this in the public school system without God's help. Somebody's going to have to drop to their knees. You're not going to get out of that spirit of fear that has surrounded you without God's help. You're going to have to call on the king. And I'm telling you today, it is time to call upon the king. For many... Anxiety is an ever-present, uninvited guest. It's coming to our circle of friends. Anxiety is among our family members. Anxiety, the spirit of Nahash, the spirit of the serpent, is in our communities at large. Anxiety is rampaging through our society right now like a plague. I was reading that in August of 2018, Barnes & Noble, the largest book retailer in the United States, announced a huge surge in the sales of books about anxiety. From 17 to 18, they saw a 25% jump in their sales of books about anxiety. And that was before COVID hit. I have found a very comforting scripture that I intend to make my philosophy for life for the rest of my days. I don't have it on the board, but it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to call on the king because we care, but we refuse to be careful. In other words, we care, but we refuse to worry. We're not going to allow the rest of our life, uh, the rest of our days uh, to be filled uh, with worry. Worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but you don't go anywhere. 
and worry and anxiety has made its way like a cancer into our society. People are operating out of the base of fear. They're afraid of this. They're afraid of that. And it's not all their fault. I'm telling you, the Nahash spirit, the spirit of the serpent, the spirit of the snake has infiltrated our community and he's as a spirit that loves to see people grovel in fear. He loves us to be afraid, afraid of what tomorrow may hold, afraid of what may happen later today, afraid when the lights go out tonight, afraid of what's going to happen to us next week and next year. That's the spirit of the serpent. It comes from the devil himself. What are we going to do about it? I say we call upon the king. Would you close your eyes, lift your hands. You need to call upon the king with me right now. Devil, you're not going to worry me anymore. Devil, you're not going to fill my heart with anxiety. Devil, you're not going to do that to me. I'm going to spend the rest of my days praising God. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have satisfaction. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to allow the spirit of Nahash. The citizens of Gilead sent Nahash a message. They were really to concede everything. They were willing to compromise everything they believed in. If they could just get this nasty serpent away from their city and not kill them. They said to the serpent, we'll serve you. Whatever you want us to do. Nahash, remember, had no intention of allowing them to live. He was not touched by the feelings of their infirmities. He didn't care that they were filled with anxiousness. And today the serpent has no intention of allowing anyone who has ever walked away from God to go free. He has no intention of you having a normal life. He has no intention of you having a blessed life. Satan, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I refuse to allow you to infiltrate my life. I'm a born again, heaven bound, tongue talking, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus' name baptized. Child of God. You just picked on the wrong person. Now somebody out there, they might have to grovel and say, let me think about the deal you're offering. It's a stinking deal, but let's think about the deal. But not you. Not me. I refuse to let the serpent gouge out my eye. I refuse to allow the serpent to take away my vision. I refuse to allow the serpent to take away my dreams. I ref- Come on now, lady. I'm talking to you, sir. I'm talking to you. I refuse in the name of Jesus to allow the serpent to gouge out my right eye. Somebody has got to get serious about this and say, that's it. You're done. Yes. 
I've spent my last day worrying. I've spent my last day in anxiety. I've spent my last day under the control of the serpent of fear. The Bible also refers to the serpent as the destroyer. Because he destroys lives and dreams. You see, the serpent is still out to permanently disfigure and cause a man or woman to live in shame. That one time knew the victories of God. That one time had seen God do mighty things through a little something or other and destroy a great big problem. You see, Nahash the serpent has not changed. He's still around. That's why it's in the Bible. Jesus said it like this. He said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Hear me, hear me. How many sleepless nights? How many empty days? How long do you have to live in misery before you realize that it's the spirit of the serpent that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The serpent is stealing everything that is good and wonderful from you. The serpent, if you'll listen, is laughing behind his hand, promising everything, delivering nothing but sorrow and fear and worse things to come. Do you remember what the word of God says when it said, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Nahash will promise you everything, but all he'll give you is a permanently disfigured life. He'll promise you everything, but all he will give you in reality are the flames of hell. Nahash will deceive and he will promise you everything in exchange if you'll give up the dream that God gave you. If you'll give up the vision that God gave you. If you allow him to blind you so that you no longer can see what God has for you. But I will remind you of the second part of John 10.10. The first part says, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But then it completes the verse by saying, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Don't ever forget that when God called your name, it was not to for you to continue in fear and to live anxiously. It was not so that you could just be worried about tomorrow. You already had that stuff before you ever came to God. It's time to call on the king. The king says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more. Don't let the devil take away your life. Don't let the devil take away your joy. Don't let the devil take away your peace. Don't let the devil take away your assurance that all is going to be well. 
It is not the will of God for us to live with a knot in our stomach every day. It is not the will of God for you to live worried every day, wondering when the next shoe is going to fall. It is not the will of God for you to spend the rest of your days permanently disfigured by the mistakes that you have made. I say today, in the name of Jesus, call upon the King. I'll tell you what, the people of Gilead woke up. Suddenly they realized that no matter what they offered Nahash, it wasn't going to be good enough. They needed their king, and they needed him badly. So they called. They sent a message, please come, deliver us from Nahash. There's a message going out from this church right now. Lord, please come, deliver us from the serpent. Lord Jesus, please come. Deliver somebody right now from the serpent. Oh, Lord Jesus, right now. There are even people sitting in here right now today whose minds have been bound by Nahash, bound by the serpent. But, oh, God, please come today and set your people free. Oh, we call upon our king. And all that night when they sent the message, the king was marching to where they were. He was coming. While they were going through their worst night, the king was marching toward them. I I think, and I I really believe, I I can hear the footsteps of the king. He's marching toward us right now. He's marching toward your marriage. He's marching toward your family. He's marching toward your anxieties. He's marching toward your fears. He's marching. Hey, hold on just a little bit. It's night, but the king is coming. He's on his way. Too many people would have succeeded had they not given up a few moments before the king arrived. Too many people have conceded and given up all their rights and all their privileges and give up their vision and their dreams and and their shoulders stoop and and they begin to look down and they begin to say there's no hope only because they forgot that the king was marching toward them. The people of Gilead were so afraid, so very afraid, so tired of being tormented by the serpent. So they called upon the king to come. And I got a message from the Lord for somebody. I'd like to do it for you. I can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. But I believe God told me to tell somebody in this room, if you will call upon the Lord right now, he will come to you. You can walk out of this building just exactly like you were, only maybe a little bit worse. Or you can call upon the Lord, and I believe the Lord said, He will come to you. I even have a verse of scripture that the Lord brought to my mind in Romans 10 and 13, where it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody needs to swallow your pride and call upon the name of the Lord. Does anybody here know the name of the Lord? 
Nahash is fearful of the name of the Lord. He's scared of the name of the Lord. He knows that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. And he's scared when people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. What's the name of the Lord? Say it. Jesus. Somebody said, what in the world are you doing? You don't understand the power of the name of Jesus. When somebody says, Jesus, and they see it with all their heart, there's a power that comes from God. Now you can keep going through hell if you want to, or you can say, Jesus, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't say, doesn't say might be saved. Doesn't say could be saved. It says whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nahash, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I call upon Jesus. I don't have a long message, but I have a direct message from God. The evangelist was preaching some special meetings in a downtown mission. It was on the second floor. It was just a storefront building, nothing elaborate. You might even call it an upper room. It was daytime and the evangelist went over to the little mission to pray and to talk to God about the upcoming evening service. As he was praying, he said, he felt prompted by the Lord to go over to the window and open it. And he said, the prompting of the Lord said, open that window and stick your head out the window and shout as loud as you can, hallelujah! Now listen, sometimes when God wants us to do something, he doesn't explain it to us and he doesn't necessarily have to make sense to us. But while he was praying, he said, I felt this urge. I tried to ignore it, but it got stronger. So he said, I went over to the window and I shoved the window open and I stuck my head out and I closed my eyes and I screamed, hallelujah. As soon as he had done that he said a peace of mind came over me and I went back and knelt down and continued in my prayer but said after a few moments he said that the urge came again go over to the window raise it up stick your head out and scream hallelujah as loud as you can he said I fought it but it got so strong I went over and Opened the window, stuck my head out, closed my eyes, and I screamed, Hallelujah! He said, as soon as I did that, I felt a peace. I shut the window, I went back to my prayer place. He said, I started praying, I thought it was all over. And he said, it happened again. I felt an urging, I knew that God wanted me to do it. He said, it didn't make any sense, but I went over and I opened the window and I stuck my head out and I closed my eyes and I screamed, Hallelujah! 
He said, that was it. I finished my prayer. And later, I moved to another town to start another revival. It was somewhat later, he said. He was preaching in another town far from where he'd preached in that little upstairs mission. And he said, I don't know why, but I felt led of the Lord to share my testimony. And I was saying, people, sometimes you have to do what God tells you to do, even when it seems silly. And I was in prayer one day, and, and I was on this second floor, and God told me to go open the window, stick my head out, and scream hallelujah. He said, I know it sounds crazy. I don't even know why he had me do it, but I felt peace after I did it. He said it happened three times. He said, always obey the Lord. When the Lord tells you to do something, it doesn't have to make sense. Just obey the Lord. That's right. Service was over, man walked up and had a hat in his hand. He said, preacher, was that in certain, certain town? How'd you know? Yeah. Preacher, was that on a Tuesday morning? Say like around 10 o'clock? Well, matter of fact, it was. He said, Preacher, let me tell you the rest of the story. He said, I was raised in church, but I'd fallen into alcoholism. I was sitting on the curb under that window. My mind was in a haze. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was down to my last option. He said, and suddenly I heard somebody shout, hallelujah. And I thought, oh my God, my mind's going now. He said, I just sat there a little while. And he said, a second time I heard a voice scream, hallelujah. And I bowed my head. I took off my hat. I said, Lord, I've strayed a long way from you. I don't even know if you know my name anymore. But I got just enough money in my pocket to buy one bus ticket back home where the church is where I grew up. Now, Lord, if that's you and it's not just me, you just do that one more time. If you do that one more time, I'll go over to the bus station, I'll buy my ticket, I'll go home, I'll get back in church, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. He said, I no sooner prayed that. He said, I heard a voice scream, hallelujah. He said, I jumped up, went over to the bus station, bought my ticket, and preacher, I'm here in the church living for God, serving the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for being obedient to God. Thank you for doing what God told you to do. I'm preaching to somebody right now that... It's time to call upon the king. If you knew what Nahash has already determined is your fate. If you understood what Nahash intends to do to you. You would not hesitate. You would call upon your king. If you knew that what you've gone through so far is kindergarten. Compared to what you're about to go through. Then you would say, okay, I get it. I understand it. Jesus! 
And I can already hear the marching steps of Jesus. He's coming to you in your night. And when he gets there, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. When he gets there, and it can be right now, he's going to turn your mourning into dancing. He's going to turn your sadness into joy. He's going to make sure you don't lose your eye. He's not going to let the devil permanently disfigure you. You may have fallen, but so have a lot of other people. And the Bible says a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. It doesn't have to be permanent. Your failure doesn't have to be fatal. Jesus will help you if you call upon him. I'm here right now and I'm asking you to close your eyes with me. And and I can preach more if you want me to, but but I feel like right now, this is the moment. This is the time. Every eye closed, please. Everybody in sync together. And everybody praying together. In the name of Jesus, Nahash has to go. In the name of Jesus, you serpent, you have to go. You have evil plans for my life, but I'm not going to fall to you permanently. I'm calling on Jesus. I feel like I may be besieged and I might be surrounded by problems right now, but God is able to help. Is there anybody in the house that wants to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Jesus, Nahash has made his threats. Jesus, the serpent has said what he's going to do. Jesus, Nahash has said he's going to put out my eye. I wish there were some people of God right now that would get a burden right now for the lost. I wish right now that everybody in this building that knows God would just begin to cry out to God right now for the lost. For the Lord Jesus is coming. The Lord Jesus is coming. The Lord Jesus is coming. And we are not saved. The Lord Jesus is coming. And there are those among us who are not saved. Oh God, deliver our people from Nahash. Deliver our people from the serpent. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Is there anybody here today that is willing to humble yourself and call upon the name of the Lord for it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord right now shall be saved. God is ready. He's able. He's willing. He cares for you. Somebody's got to slip the chain right now. The devil's trying to put a chain around your neck. 
You got to slip that chain. He's saying you can't do it. You can't do it. You know you can't do it. Don't make a fool out of yourself. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's Nahash. Don't listen to him. He wants to permanently disfigure you. But now the time has come. Call upon the king. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'd like to ask people if you would stand with me right now. This is a very important moment in somebody's life. The decision you make right now will shape your forever. The decision you make right now will shape your eternity. The decision you make right now will shape your tomorrow. If there's anybody here that moves in the gifts of the Spirit, that God leads you right now. If there's anybody here right now that knows how to walk with God, this is the time to believe. Tomorrow will be too late, but today, today, this is the day. This is the day. This is the day. This is the hour. Oh God, I give you praise. There are people coming to the altar this morning. There are people touching God. Nahash, you're not going to win. Nahash, you're not going to win. Serpent, you're not going to win. Jesus, you're here. You're going to help us. Hallelujah. God, I love you, Jesus. You're great and greatly to be praised. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. Come on. I'm talking to a lady right now that needs to walk down to the altar and say, Nahash, you're done. I'm talking to a gentleman that needs to walk down to the front and say, Nahash, you old serpent, you're done. You're not messing with my mind anymore. You've been playing head games with me. You're not going to do that anymore. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Well, what's that going to do? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I'm still waiting for somebody right now. The Holy Ghost is calling somebody. You want to be free of that anxiety, you come on down. Somebody said, well, why do I have to come down? Why did that preacher have to shout hallelujah? I don't know. I don't know why God tells us to do what he does. I just know that when I obey him, great things result. Why can't I just hide among the crowd? You can. And you'll keep going through what you're going through. But if you want to come out of that, sometimes you got to break out. Well, praise God. I'm getting my answer. I'm calling on the king. Preacher, I've been suffering with fears. I think that's why God gave me this message. Fear is a horrible bedfellow. 
It'll wake you up in the night and cause you to lay there wide-eyed looking at the ceiling. It'll make your heart palpitate at times. It'll fill you with insecurity. And it will whisper, what are you going to do now? What's tomorrow hold? How are you going to handle this one? And they'll always try to put question marks in your head. But is there anybody in the house right now that would say, I'm calling on the king. I'm not going to be careful for anything. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I will make my request known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Still waiting for one more. I'm a pretty stubborn guy. Still waiting for one more to say, okay, I'm slipping these surly bonds. You might be a Christian of many years, but I'm slipping these surly bonds right now. I'm all done with you, Nahash. You've been scaring the liver out of me and I'm not allowing you to do it anymore. I'm done with you, Nahash. I'm done with the serpent. Here I am. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Here he comes. Listen, here he comes. I hear his footsteps. Here he comes. Here he comes. Elders, Holy Ghost filled ministry, MIT, begin to go around and begin to pray for folks right now in the name of Jesus. And pray with faith in your heart. Believe that God is delivering people from fear. Hallelujah. God, you're bigger than these problems. You're bigger than these situations. You're bigger. Oh, hallelujah.